CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. That's 1 888 Ask CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host. And hello, everybody. I'm Jeff Wickwire a pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And so good to be coming your way. I'm sitting in for Mike Kessler. And uh want to just thank you for tuning in to To Every Man and Answer. We're here to answer your Bible questions. And there's a lot of questions out there, a lot of things going on in our world, uh, particularly in the Middle East. And it's piquing a lot of interest in what does the Bible say prophetically about the Middle East? What about Israel? What does it say about Jerusalem? What does it say about uh, God's people, the Jewish people? And uh, just a lot of questions out there. A lot of people feeling insecure and uh, troubled about what is going down all around us. And I I really do understand that. So I want to encourage you to call in with your Bible questions today. Here's the number, 8888-ASK-CSN. That's 8888-ASK-CSN. We have lines open. I want to encourage you to jump in right now. Give us a call, and uh, we will get to you. Lord willing, in the first 30 minutes of the program, as quickly as we can get to you, we'll be there. So again, give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN. And uh, with me today is Pastor Daryl Skinner of, uh, oh, I'm going to try this. I miss this usually, but it's Calvary Chapel (laughs) of Pearl Harbor, uh, Hawaii. Right, Daryl? You've got it, Jeff. Calvary hey, Chapel, there we go. Hawaii. Beautiful boy. Calvary, yeah, beautiful. And there you are uh, in paradise. And it's good to have you with you, with us, my friend. And uh, Good to be with you. For... And uh, aloha to everyone out there listening and looking forward to their great questions. They always call in. Uh, and Jeff, you know, these are exciting days we're living in as you were just uh, describing what's going on in Israel and as well as the, the entire Middle East. Of course, you have Russia and Ukraine. You have uh, mm-hmm. uh, Iran, which is known as Persia in the Old Testament there in the book of Ezekiel. And what's uh, happening with their influence in the Middle East and how they're going to have an alliance with Russia, as well as with Turkey, as well as with the Islamic nations. And uh, we know that the Ezekiel War is not happening yet, but it is going to come. Uh, Ezekiel boy, 38, is... 39 talks about that. And so yeah. but these are these are very exciting days, and we're looking forward to uh, talking to you folks out there listening and just uh, discussing these topics, as well as whether it be counseling or you need prayer or uh, something about doctrinal issue, uh, scriptures you don't understand, Jeff, always excited to be on with you and your expertise. It's a great blessing. Thank you, Daryl. And again, you can give us a call. We've got some lines open, 8888-ASK-CSN. That's 8888-ASK-CSN. Give us a call. We'll get right to you. Now, before we go to the phones, uh, you know, Daryl, do you look at what's going on in the Middle East and this invasion, this horrible uh, attack against Israel and the atrocities that happened and the tortures, things that, that that are hard to even read about, much less talk about. Uh, but you look at it, and you look at the players involved, and it, it's really a, a little bit like a mini-dress rehearsal of what will happen with the Ezekiel 38 war. You know, a confederacy of nations that uh, get together, all of them Islamic, all of them Israel-hating nations, and uh, they come down like a cloud against Israel. Now, this is this isn't it. But again, it's really sort of like a type and a shadow on a mm-hmm. minor scale. It's like a, again, like a dress rehearsal, uh, Israel being attacked just with 
venom, with hatred, this incredible, uh, just barbarity. It, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around that human beings could actually do this to each other. Uh, but they are. And uh, so you look at it and you say, well, one day, uh, no doubt, probably sooner than later, uh, there is going to be a massive attack against the land of Israel uh, from the uttermost north and all kinds of several um, Islamic nations. It'll be a pan-Islamic confederacy of nations that attacks. And uh, God himself will intervene and deliver the Jewish people miraculously. And it will be something else. So um, let's uh, go to the phones. We've got a call from Torrance, California, uh, and Burton. And uh, hello there. How can we help you today, Burton? Hi, how you doing? Great. Doing well. Thank you. Um, yesterday, um, Scott Parker, um, he was yes. saying that he believes that the um, Ezekiel Ezekiel uh, 38-39 war, that he thinks the rapture is before the war. And I, I, personally, I don't think so, because it says that they're going to be burning the, the, the weapons for seven years. And in, in, in Thessalonians, Paul says that the church got to be taken out before the man before the Antichrist come on the scene. And halfway through the tribulation, Israel is going to be running for their lives. So to me, the rapture is after that war. I could be wrong, but that's, that's how I think. So you're, you're saying that you believe the rapture is after the Ezekiel war? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, you know, we don't know. Uh, now it does say in Ezekiel 38, 39, and we know historically this war has never happened, never in all the history of the world has any such, uh, attack against Israel by the players that Ezekiel identifies ever happened. So it is yet to happen, yet to be fulfilled. And he says that they will be burning the weapons after God's intervention for seven years. So you have to ask yourself, are they going to be burning weapons the entirety of the Great Tribulation, which is seven years and, uh, you know, seven years long? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't see that because it's, it's not mentioned in, um, the book of Revelation, uh, as it names the, uh, 21 various judgments, the seal judgments, trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments as it describes what is happening on the earth during that time, it never mentions anything like, you know, the after effects of this Ezekiel war, uh, like the burning of weapons taking place. So I don't, I don't necessarily see that myself. Um, we know that the rapture can happen at any time. There is nothing that needs to happen, prophetically speaking, for the rapture to take place. Uh, now, there are things that need to happen before the second advent of Christ at the end of the book of Revelation and the end of the seven-year tribulation period. There are definitely prophetic events that are yet to be fulfilled before that can happen. But the rapture could happen before this show is over, which would be fine with me. I would, I would love to go out <laughs> administering the word of God 
uh, all across the nation when the rapture happens. That'd be great. But um, so there's nothing that needs to happen there. And there's nothing that I see that has to happen before the Ezekiel war can take place. Because when you look at it, all of the players that Ezekiel names, Iran, Iraq, which is uh, comprises ancient Persia, oh, uh, you know, Jordan, um, all of the Middle Eastern countries that Ezekiel identifies, not to mention Russia to the uttermost north, they're all in place. They're all there. That's one of the amazing things about Ezekiel 38, that the nations he names, and he prophesied this 2,500 years ago. So that's two and a half millennia ago that Ezekiel penned this prediction. And yet the, the nations that he names are all alive and well. They are all anti-Israel. They are all Islamic. Uh, they all want to see Israel wiped off the map. Russia, there it is, to the uttermost north. It's all there, uh, just waiting for the prophetic time to come for them to uh, do what they're going to do. So that's amazing to me. I mean, I think it's one of the great evidences of the Bible actually being the Word of God is the prophecy in it. One quarter of it is prophecy, and Ezekiel 38 39 are great examples of, you know, how did he know all these nations are going to be there uh, 2,500 years ago? That That would be a real shot in the dark, but there they are. So for both events, uh, to your question, Burton, I, I don't see any prophecies or anything that need to be fulfilled for any one of those events to happen. So really, it's just a matter of watching and waiting and seeing what God does. Uh, your thoughts, Daryl? Yeah, you know, uh, Burton, as we look to what Jeff just shared with us, it's, it's right on target. And, uh, the, the rapture could happen before the Ezekiel War. It could happen during the Ezekiel War. It could happen right after the Ezekiel War. Uh, one one scenario that I look at is if the rapture took place before the Ezekiel War, it would create global chaos and global opportunity for them to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. And obviously, uh, this it says a great storm of troops are going to come from all these nations, and they're going to come to invade and be the great jihad, if you will, uh, against Israel, and God has to intervene for them because they're not able to handle it themselves with this great uh, uh, army that's going to show up on their on their northern doorstep. And God intervenes with uh, probably uh, uh, the Bible says there'll be pestilence at the time. There'll be uh, there'll also be a, a great earthquake. A great earthquake will take place. And fire and brimstone will come from the sky. I've done some studies geologically. There's about six dormant volcanoes in the region. Uh, one thing about northern Israel and up into Syria, they have uh, uh, earthquakes uh, quite often and so forth. So we see that this massive earthquake that God will interject into the scene is going to wipe out these armies that are invading along with the pestilences. As long as, and so it could be some kind of biochemical warfare that's going to take place, but God intervenes and stops it from invading into Israel and it ends up with those troops. And it's interesting that the bodies have to be marked for seven months. So there's something, uh, it's either radiation, it's uh, it's uh, the pestilence, something like that. Special folks go out and they mark these bodies for seven months. And then, uh, of course, as we all talked about already, there's a seven years of burning the weaponry, which is very fascinating. That would never have taken place in a time of history except for our time. And so this is going to happen. 
So if the rapture happened before the Ezekiel War, it would create global chaos. If it happens uh, during the during the war, it's global chaos and God's intervention. And if it happens, if the Ezekiel War happens now, is there something that has debilitated the United States from being that uh, ally of Israel where maybe we got nuclear bombed by China or Russia, something like that, uh, and, and Europe is sitting by? Uh, as well as us, uh, or we just have leadership in our country that just wants to sit by and do nothing. But I believe that uh, once the rapture happens, the, the global chaos will be tremendous. So we, we don't know, but we do know this. We see the alliance uh, that has taken place between between these countries, Turkey, Russia, Persia, Northern Africa, the Islamic nations. Russia has about 60 to 70 million uh, um, Muslims in the southern regions of uh, of their country. So we see all this alliance and the great opportunity they have to create. Uh, God's word is sure. What I love is how accurate the word of God is. Our faiths are built on the facts of Bible prophecy. The Bible says that the, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation chapter 19. And it is so true because Jesus fulfilled 456 prophecies when he first came. He'll fulfill a thousand at his second coming. And the, the word of God is the word of God written by God who is infinite who knows all things, past, present, and future. And uh, we have absolute confidence in God's word and everything that has taken place and has been spoken to take place will take place in the future. So exciting stuff, exciting days, but it's in God's hands. I think right now, Jesus said there's wars, rumors of wars, there's kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. We're seeing that take place before our eyes right now throughout the world. This has been going on for quite some time, but it's getting worse and worse like that pregnant woman going into labor, as Jesus said, that going into those sorrows, those birth pains, and and it gets more intense, and they become more frequent. Till finally, it, we're gonna it, it'll the rapture will take place, and then comes uh, the the tremendous events of the Book of Revelation, chapter six through nineteen. So that will yeah. take place. But the exciting days we're living in, which means let's share the gospel with family, friends, and coworkers, strangers in the streets, people across the world. So they understand we're living in the last days. They need to come to Jesus for salvation for it's too late for their souls and their lives. Jeff, yeah. I'll hand it back to you. Yeah, Burton, I hope that helps. And, you know, I would just look at it this way. We don't know when these things are going to happen, but Jesus taught to be ready. That was his main message. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. He told his disciples uh, that the Father has in his hands, but uh it, it's up to us to spread the gospel, get out there and, do the work of the Lord and just trust him with his timing in all things. So I would encourage you to do that, Burton. And I hope that, I hope that helps. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. All righty. You have a blessed day and I stay on the phone. We'll get you a couple of DVDs or books for calling in. And uh, thank you, Burton. And let's go now to Steve in Palm Springs, California. Hello, Steve. How can we help today? Hi. Uh, My question is, is what is the difference between uh, dispensational theology and covenantal, and how does it affect uh, teaching? Well, dispensational theology, a lot of dispensational, the, the emphasis of dispensational theology is Israel. Now, uh, also that there were as many as seven dispensations, or uh, the word dispensation simply means government or the way that you administer something. You know, it's it's sort of like the way a, a country is governed or the way a household is governed, uh, that kind of thing. It, it's, it's an administrative word. So when you talk about dispensationalism, dispensationalists believe that, that God dealt with the world in, in times past, uh, in as many as seven different ways, uh, 
according to the dispensation. You know, there was, you know, the Edenic dispensation, how God dealt with man uh, after Eden. There's the Noahic uh, or Noahic dispensation, how God dealt with people after the time of Noah. The Mosaic dispensation or the dispensation of law, how God governed the world uh, under Moses and uh, Moses' dispensation of the law, this kind of thing. So uh, dispensationalists, again, will claim as many as seven dispensations in history. But they also are very intent on the idea that Israel and the church are different, unique, that they are not, that the church did not replace Israel, which is replacement theology. Uh, and so dispensationalists believe that God is not done with Israel, that he still has a plan for Israel, and that Israel as God's chosen people, the Jews being God chosen, God's chosen people, and uh, the church are two different entities, though they aren't against each other. They're just two different entities in God's overall program for the earth and for mankind. So that's dispensational. Covenantal is a little bit. Now, I will tell you that I'm a dispensationalist more than anything else. I I do believe that God dealt with the world, governed the world under different dispensations. And right now we're under the dispensation of grace. And uh, so... I think that that holds a lot of water. So if I'm going to be teaching on, uh, like, say, going through the Old Testament or going through the Bible, I'm going to probably take a dispensational approach in answer to your question, how does it affect teaching? Because I do see that God dealt with humanity in different ways, and man responded to God by faith under different dispensations or, or ways that God was dealing with the world. So I do believe that, and I'll just go to Daryl for an explanation of the covenantal. Well, you know, when we look at the covenantal theology, it's a systematic set of doctrine that is laid down for uh, throughout the scriptures. And I'm I'm a dispensationalist also, believing there are certain dispensations that God dealt with uh, the the man humankind. And as as Jeff just shared, as we look to these uh, the days that we're living in. Uh, the church hasn't replaced Israel, which some people try to teach as a false doctrine. God is still dealing with Israel. That's why they're back in the land, May 14th, 1948. And and we know that he's dealing with them today. And we know that there's going to be 144,000 Jews, Revelation chapter 7, that'll be filled with, sealed by the Spirit of God, who'll be preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says from uh, 12,000 from each tribe. God is very direct on who is going to be he's going to be dealing with and especially in the tribulation period as the spirit is poured out upon the Jewish people. And today we have uh, we have the, the the Jew and the Gentile becoming one uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord and King, the savior of the world, their Mashiach, their Messiah, and thus we have the church. Uh, and then when the church is raptured, then comes the outpouring of the spirit upon the Jewish people. Now people will still get saved, Gentiles will still get saved and during the tribulation period but God is going to deal tremendously with his people. He's going to fight for them and defend them and protect them as he's going to take them down to probably the, the it's the region of known as Basra, not in Iraq, but rather in the old regions of, uh, of uh, down in the Petra area, down in Jordan and so forth. So that'll be taking place as God protects his people and, uh, and so forth. So when we look to this, 
we see this difference between the uh, understanding of what we have as uh, as a dispensational uh, theology. So when it comes to covenantal, uh, Jeff, I'll let you add some more to that. Well, covenantal theology is basically, it goes all the way back in time before the world even was created, where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit uh, covenanted amongst themselves that Jesus would come and die for the sins of men. So that was the first covenant in eternity. Uh, you know, when you talk about covenant theology, they believe that's where the first covenant began. So you have uh, God the Son covenanting with God the Father that he would come and die for the sins of fallen man because before God even made man, he knew that he would fall, which is another topic altogether. But that's the beginning of covenant theology. And then it moves down from there that God simply dealt with mankind based on uh, different covenants instead of dispensations. And um, I don't think that covenantal theology is is wrong. I just think that uh, dispensationalism makes more sense to me, and uh, especially that uh, what is done with Israel. I do believe that Israel as a nation or the Jews as a people and the church are two different entities. I don't believe that they are one and the same or that one has replaced the other. Uh, I don't believe that happened. And um, I fully read Romans 9, 10, and 11, and you see that God's plan for the people of Israel certainly is not finished. There will come a day when the Jewish people in mass turn to Messiah, and there is a mass salvation. They're not all saved, but as a people, many of them, most of them, if I'm reading it right, are saved. They they turn to Christ. So. Uh, that to me rings more true than uh, the uh, the claims of covenant theology. But I can sit down with somebody who teaches covenant theology, have a great mm-hmm. meal. Fellowship in Jesus is not in any way a deal breaker at all. And uh, so I hope that helps, Steve. You know, if I could just add, you know, we look at covenant theology as, as you know, there's covenants that God's made with you have the, as you just shared earlier, there there's actually, it's, it, there's a, somewhat of a, corresponding with dispensationalism. There's the Edenic covenant. There's the uh, uh, Noahic covenant. There's the uh, Mosaic uh, covenant with Moses and so forth, the children of Israel. There's the Davidic covenant. There's a Palestinian covenant, meaning the land itself, uh, the Abrahamic covenant, and so forth. And we, we, of course, you know, Jesus gave us the new covenant, right? And uh, so uh, this, this is what we see throughout the scriptures. So these covenants are very important for us when it comes to Understanding sound doctrine, sound doctrine, as well as understanding uh, these dispensations that we were just talking about, and uh, so right now we're as as Jeff so rightly shared with us, the the covenant of grace right now is the church, and we're seeing God pour out His Spirit upon us, and and then the rapture, the bride of Christ is going to go up, and then God's going to deal with the Jewish people once again, fulfilling what uh, the especially so many of the prophets of the Old Testament, especially Daniel yeah. said was going to. And I would say, Steve, that that. Mainly, and this is why I don't go with covenant theology, because they do believe that the church replaced Israel. And to me, that's, that is the deal breaker as far as yep, my not absolutely. being able to go with it. They, uh, it's called supersessionism and, and meaning the church has superseded, uh, Israel, has taken the place of Israel. And I don't believe that. That's, that to me is, um, 
I don't see it in scripture. I, I can't go with Romans 9, 10, and 11 reading that and say that that is true. So if, if you want to boil down the major difference between the two systems, uh, it would be that. And uh, I just, I don't see it. So that's why I would break with covenant theology and not go with it. But again, if, if you're a covenant theologian, hey, praise the Lord, hallelujah, we can fellowship and we're, we're both going to go to heaven. And that's the main thing. So I hope that helps, Steve. Yeah, that helps a lot. Thank you, guys. All right. You have a great day. God bless you there in Palm Springs, California. And let's go to Alfred in Raftrum, Indiana, or Idaho. Hello, Alfred. How can we help? Yes. Hi, Pastor. How are you? God bless you guys. Um, I love the show. Uh, my question is, um, when somebody sneezes, we typically say, God bless you. What does the Bible say about that? Oh, I don't think that uh, the Bible would say anything. That's nothing wrong with that. It's it's not. Uh, I don't see it as taking the, the Lord's name in vain. I think it's um, it, it's just one of these uh, sort of um, uh, phrases that has developed in our particular uh, language, and, and well, and Kazoon tight also in the Germans <laughs> uh, and elsewhere. So God bless you. I, I don't see anything wrong with. It. I don't think it's. The same. Here, here, here's where I would draw the line. I think that um, this does matter. For instance, people who get out there and they they prophesy in the name of the Lord. You know, thus says the Lord, and they are reckless with it. Now, I do believe there is a real thing called prophecy. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's First Corinthians twelve, First Corinthians fourteen. It's there. But having said that, in the New Testament, we are taught that when a prophecy comes, it's to be judged. Was it real? Was it valid? Was it from the Holy Spirit? Did it ring true? Do we witness to that? Can we judge that as being something from God? That's the New Testament litmus test. They're supposed to be judged. But in our day, uh, wow, the social media is infested with self-appointed uh, prophets, apostles, all these different things. And, uh, yet so many times, if you just track what some of these prophets prophesy, you will find that all the time their prophecies fail. And which, according to the Bible, makes them a false prophet. Well, we're up on the break and don't go anywhere, Alfred, because, uh, I do want to get into this and, and show you the difference between something like God bless you and really taking God's name in vain. So don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back with more of To Every Man and Answer. Stay tuned. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's something that could really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for people with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor and get 24-7 telehealth from the comfort of your home. And here's the thing. If you join before October 30th, you'll get your second month free and save even more. I'll give you the number here in a second, but just tell them the promo code SHARE 
to get your additional savings. The deadline against October 30th. So now is a great time to call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Are you ready to study to show yourself approved? A workman not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? In this sad, lonely, and lost generation, people need help. They need Jesus. And who can present the gospel better than you? Calvary Chapel University wants to be a helper of your joy, so you can go out and make disciples who make disciples. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today, and you'll earn outstanding scholarships. Most of our CCU graduates graduate early or on time, debt-free, and sound doctrinally. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today. Skip Heitzig is one of our faculty members, and David Guzik is not only a board member, but he just earned his Master of Divinity at CCU. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and watch God move powerfully in your life. Welcome back to To Every Man and Answer. I'm Jeff Wickwire, sitting in for Mike Kessler. And uh, so good to have you with us uh, today. I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, we're enjoying some cooler weather finally out here. So if you happen to be in the area tonight, we're going to be going through Sermon on the Mount. And I would invite you to come. If you want to go through a good Bible study, learn from the teachings of Jesus, we'd love to have you. I'm going to be talking about the problem of worry tonight. So you want to know where we are, just go to the website, tpcfamily.org, and look us up, and come pay us a visit. We'd love to have you. And with me is Daryl Skinner of Calvary Chapel in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. And uh, it's always good to have Daryl with me on the, on the show. Uh, we make a good team. And um, we've got a couple of lines open if you want to call in with a Bible question. Give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN. We've got a couple of lines open. And I feel confident we'll get to your call before the show is over. So once again, 8888-ASK-CSN. And uh, call us with that Bible question and see if we can help you with it. Now, we are talking to Alfred in Idaho about uh, if somebody sneezes and you say, God bless you, is that bordering on blasphemy? No, it's not. I, I don't believe that it is. Um, the Bible, one of the Ten Commandments is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Well, what does that mean? Well, part of the meaning is you bring God's name and character and reputation into something that he has nothing to do with. For instance, that's why he was so hard on false prophets, say in the Old Testament, where God gave an acid test for false prophets. If somebody prophesies in my name and what they prophesy doesn't come to pass, they are a false prophet. Don't listen to them. I didn't send them. They're talking out of their own heart, so on and so forth. And in, in all bluntness, in, in the Old Testament, if you prophesied falsely in God's name, you were stoned to death. That It was a capital offense, which is really uh, strong. But that's how strong God felt uh, about his name being dragged into something that he was not in. And so you come down to the New Testament, and the New Testament gives us 
a way to test Bible prophecy or not Bible prophecy, but somebody prophesying uh, in his name that if what they prophesy doesn't come to or what they prophesy is to be judged, that those who are mature in the church are to assess it, judge it. Uh, as John said in First John 4, 1, we are to try the spirits, whether they are of God, for many false prophets and false spirits have gone out into the world. And um, so we are to test what is prophesied. Now, I think when you prophesy in God's name, and it's uh, particularly predictive, like so many prophesied, for instance, that Donald Trump was going to win a second term. When it didn't happen, it just put a great big black eye on the church in the eyes of so many in the secular world who were aware of some of these prophecies. And I know that uh, the networks ran stories on how so many of these prophecies were wrong, and it really hurt the church because God's name was dragged into something that he wasn't in. Now, I think that that is a form of, um, you know, I don't want to say blasphemy, but I do think it's, it's, that is where you are taking his name in vain. So when you're dealing with that, Alfred, something like that, I think that is where you're more on dangerous territory than simply saying, God bless you. Daryl, your thoughts. Yeah. Simple enough is, uh, you know, God bless you. Someone sneezes, something like that. Uh, you, you know, you're asking God's blessing so they're not going to get sick. You know, because you sneeze, you could be getting sick. Something could be happening. So you just say, God bless you. And uh, it's uh, just, uh, you know, just as we uh, uh, say goodbye to somebody, you might say, God bless you too. Just, you know, because you want God's blessing upon uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. It's just, it's a greeting or it's, it's, uh, it's just, you know, God bless you as you sneeze or cough or whatever. Uh, it's, it's nothing that you're hoping they don't get sick. And that's really how I've always viewed it when uh, you say God bless mm-hmm. you someone that sneezed or something like that. I don't see it as using the Lord's name in blame in vain. You're just asking for the blessings of the Lord to be upon that person to stay healthy. So that's how I view it. Mike, uh, excuse me, Mike, <laughs> Jeff, go ahead. Well, Alfred, I hope that helps, Alfred. Yes, yeah, thank you so much. That's what we wanted. Can, can I quickly add, uh, ask one more, please? Sure. Okay, thank you. Sure. Um, when, when, when you pray in a group or with, you know, others, is it is it proper to to hold hands or should we not hold hands when we pray? Oh, I, there's nothing wrong with holding hands um, at all. I don't see a thing wrong with it. Um, no, the only time I've had to uh, instruct my church about holding hands is during the COVID thing. Right. So maybe you don't want to hold hands, <laughs> but uh, no. Otherwise, no. As a matter of fact, you know, in the New Testament, Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, now that was a cultural thing in his day. I do not encourage my church to greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, that's just not a cultural thing with us. And I think that would be odd. I wouldn't be super comfortable with that. Um, I have been in other countries where they did kiss you on the cheek, and that was their cultural way of saying hello and giving you a warm greeting. In America, it's just not something that we do. Um, but if somebody did do that, I wouldn't consider it sinful. Uh, again, I wouldn't be comfortable with it, but I wouldn't. Now, I will tell you, there are a couple of, uh, for instance, older ladies in our church that are real grandmother 
types and, you know, in their eighties and whatnot, every once in a blue moon, one of them will come up and give me a hug and give me a little kiss on the cheek. I have no issue with that at all, but no holding hands. I don't see a thing wrong with it. Daryl, your thoughts. I don't see anything wrong with it either. Uh, just make sure they're clean. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So Alfred, I think you, I think you're good. And you know, your, your questions, Alfred, I'm kind of sensing that, um, you struggle with a lot of, uh, particulars, uh, things that, um, uh, are what I would call, um, sort of microcosmic sort of uh, issues, things that are not front burner type issues in the church and, um, that you worry about. And then I would encourage you with questions like this, you know, you just go to the scriptures. Nowhere is anything like holding hands forbidden. Uh, saying God bless you, uh, you know, that's, that's dancing on the head of a theological pen. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, and so I just pray that God helps you with issues like that, Alfred, and that they don't bother you so much. And, and, uh, God gives you a greater peace with freedom in Christ. And so I just want to leave it with that. And Alfred, thank you for calling and, uh, stay on the line. We'll get you a couple of books, DVDs for calling in. And you have a blessed day there in Idaho. Let's go to Alicia now in Tampa, Florida. Hello, Alicia. How can we help? Hey, hello, Pastor. It's nice to talk to you. I have a good afternoon. I have a quick question, hopefully quick. Uh, on what day were the races created? I know that man was created on the sixth day or, you know, flesh. But I was curious because I was doing a Bible study in my Nephew asked me, on what day were the races created? And then there's one other thing I want to tell you real quick. I'm an old lady, and I'll forget. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom, she was German, and she told me that it was like an old wise tale, that when somebody would sneeze and you'd say, God bless you, that Mm -hmm. they believed that you were, that was like a um, good luck thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because I I asked her, I said, why did you say Gesundheit? Because that's what she would say. And she said that's what it was. But anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you're good. And uh, let me let me answer your question about the racial diversity. First of all, I don't think that, well, I'm going to give you two possibilities. The first one is that um, now we do know that all the ethnic races did descend from Adam and Eve. What Adam and Eve were racially, we don't know. My guess is they were somewhere in the Semitic range uh, because God did choose the Semitic peoples uh, to bring forth Messiah. Um, it's only a guess. There's no way of knowing what race they were, but that is my guess, more like an olive skin complexion. But again, I have no way of knowing. But some biblical scholars uh, speculate that when the Lord confused the languages at the Tower of Babel, he then and there created the races. Uh, well, that's that's a possibility. I'm not going to say it couldn't happen. Uh, but I also believe a, a stronger possibility is that at the Tower of Babel, when God confused the languages, it says he did it because they had disobeyed his command to cover the earth, to populate the earth. Instead, they were trying to build the Tower of Babel in reaction to the flood of Noah's time, the universal flood. They were building a tower so that if there was ever another flood, they would have a 
tower to run to and be safe from the floodwaters. They were directly disobeying God by building this tower. It was an arrogant undertaking. It was a disobedient undertaking. And so God confused the languages. Now, when he did that, they couldn't understand each other. So they had to separate. So by the difference in languages, God forced them to do what they should have done willingly at first. And as they spread throughout the earth, they went into all kinds of different ecosystems. They went to the, you know, the, the area of the equator. They went into areas where it was very hot, uh, other areas where it was very cold. My personal conviction is as they went into these different areas, because God has given us the ability to adapt to our, to, to different environments, not just human beings, but the creatures that he created clearly were given the ability to adapt, uh, through genetics. And I believe as they went to the equator, as they went to the colder parts of the earth, that, uh, over time, the different races through, through the simple, uh, adapting to the different, um, major heat or major cold, then their skin became either dark, darker or lighter, uh, as, uh, as to, to, uh, adapt to where they were. And that's how I think the races came about. I think it took time. I, I do think that they evolved. Now I'm not talking about uh, Darwinian evolution. I'm talking about the ability to adapt to different environments. And that's where I think the different skin colors came from. But I'll see what Daryl thinks about this. Daryl. You know, when we see the creation of Adam and Eve, uh, God put that the pigmentations in the skin colors uh, in, into Adam and Eve. And whichever one's going to become dominant is what they're going to have. There's about, uh, uh, let's see, I'm trying to look at my notes here. I did a study years ago on this, and uh, there's two types of uh, uh, melanin in the in the in pigmentation in the skin. One is called pheomelanin, and the other is called eumelanin, if I get the right, eumelanin. And yeah. it's for dark, dark, darker red, yellow is, is the pheomelanin, and the eumelanin is the dark brown and black colors. These are six genes that which operate under incomplete dominance. One copy of those genes is inherited from the father, one from the mother. Each gene comes in several uh, what's called alleles and resulting in a great variety of different skin colors. So this is what God, what I love about God is this. He -hmm. loves variety and we love variety, right? Uh, It wouldn't be a bummer if we just all exactly look the same, you know? But yeah. There's beautiful skin colors. There's beautiful eye eye colors. There's uh, eye shapes and so forth. And and uh, from the Oriental eye has a little bit more of a particular uh, extra skin uh, uh, layer, so to speak, uh, on the eye, which causes the fold and and the shape of the eye. And and this is God's beautiful creation. And I think mm-hmm. all these things were instituted into Adam and Eve. And then, uh, then you began to have these various uh, dominant uh, pigmentations that took place mm-hmm. within humanity because God based loves on the variety. environment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and yeah. yeah, it adapts to the environment and so forth. But you see the separating of the races, as you shared earlier, uh, in the time of uh, 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 the Tower of Babel and and the, the separation of of the folks there because of uh, they were trying to build a tower unto 
their mm-hmm. own uh, destiny and God and so forth, but not the God of all creation. And then God confuses the languages and sends them forth in their different directions, yeah. which they were supposed to do in the very beginning. But yeah. they, they, they did it. But God's After the flood, them. God commanded yep. mankind, cover the earth and populate yep. the earth. And they didn't do it. But exactly. but I believe that when he confused the languages and they started heading south and north and west and east and uh, entered all these different environs, I think that that is where this ability to adapt to your environment, you know, like we'll see yep. insects. Uh, you don't even see the insect because he so perfectly blends with his environment because that is what he has done over time. He has adapted to the environment around him to protect himself. And you see it with moths, with, you know, Katie dids and, and daddy long legs and birds and uh, animals. And you, you see this ability to adapt to your environs uh, in uh, all across the created spectrum. And I think that's where the races came from. Now, I, I do want to say one last thing, Alicia. I don't believe there are different races. I believe there's one race, the human race. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, we are one race. We're, we all have as our great, 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 all the way back to the garden, Adam and Eve, are every human being's original parents. There are not races. There are different skin colors, but there are not different races. Uh, race is not a biblical idea. It's not a biblical concept. Race is not used in the Bible. It, it's just not. Uh, it, it is different people groups, uh, different skin colors, but not a different race. We're all one race. Some people don't like me saying that. They don't like thinking, well, I don't want to be part of someone else's race or I don't want to be one race. I want to be my own race. But the bottom line is we are human beings. We are one race with diversity. And it's that simple. But, uh, so, when you look at scripture, once again, you don't find the concept of race. You find diversity of skin color, background, uh, geographical location, so on and so forth, but you don't find race. So I hope that helps, Alicia. That was a beautiful explanation. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. Stay on the phone, and we'll get you a couple of DVDs for calling in. And uh, thanks for calling from Florida. Now let's go to... Gary in Oregon. Hello, Gary. Good to have you. And how can we help? Well, thank thank you, pastors. Uh, I enjoy the show very much. Uh, what's going on in Israel? Some people are thinking that it could be the Ezekiel 38-39 war, but I don't see that happening because Israel is supposed to be at peace before that happens, is my understanding. And so my question is, Do you think what's going on in Israel now could be the Isaiah prophecy about Damascus, Isaiah 17? No, I I don't think it's that. And I don't think it's the Ezekiel 38 war either. And we know it's not because uh, though some of the players that Ezekiel identifies uh, in the beginnings of Ezekiel 38, they're not all there. And this has not been led by Russia. In the Ezekiel 38 war, clearly Gog and Magog, the people of Gog, uh, the people of uh, the Russian people, if you do an etymological study of Gog and Magog, that is you trace the origin of those two words, you come up with Muscovite. 
it's clearly uh, talking about Russian people in the land of Russia. There is no other land to the uttermost north than Russia. Just look at your map, look at Israel, and go to the uttermost north, and you run into Russia. So Russia has not led this. Now, I do believe there's a few fingerprints of Russia on what is happening right now. There's no way they have not gotten involved, that Putin hasn't gotten involved in one way or another. But it was not orchestrated, pulled together by, and led by Russia. Because that's what Ezekiel 38 requires. So, no, it's not that. But as we said in the beginning of the show, it's it's really could be a dress rehearsal. It's it's a type and a shadow of what it will look like one day uh, when a Russia does with a huge confederacy of pan-Islamic nations attack Russia. Ezekiel says, like a cloud that covers the land, they are overwhelmingly outnumbered, overwhelmingly outgunned. It looks like Ezekiel uh, paints the picture of Israel being on the verge of literally being completely wiped off the face of the map, which, for instance, Iran and other Islamic countries have said is their stated goal to not just, uh, you know, subdue Israel, but to wipe the Jewish people fully, completely off the map. That isn't happening right now, but we are seeing a type and a shadow of it. Your thoughts? Yeah, and when we look to the Ezekiel War, it's a massive, massive uh, invasion from northern Africa to Turkey to Iran to the surrounding Muslim countries around Israel. The the one standby or bystander would be uh, uh, is Saudi Arabia. So Shiba and Didam will be looking on. Uh, and so they're just going to look on and say, what's what's really going on here? Because they want to protect their oil reserves. They don't want to get involved in a battle. And they're going to just kick back and, and just watch over their stuff. And that's the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. But all the others, they get, there's, the massive invasion is going to take place. Now, we haven't seen that as of yet. Could it build up to that? It could build up to that. Uh, but right now, it's, it's not happening. But uh, as we look to... Uh, Isaiah 17 and the, and the destruction of uh, Damascus and so forth. Uh, Damascus has been pretty well dismantled, but it's not fully uh, destroyed as of yet. Is that going to happen? It could happen real soon. Uh, but it's, uh, but I, it's, you know, it's, it's a wait and see right now. Everything is lined up the way Bi- the Bible says it must be lined up and it will take place and you can bank on it a hundred percent. But it, when, when that, when that ball drops, so to speak, uh, you'll see this massive invasion and, and Damascus will be fully, fully demolished. It's not there yet. So we just wait and see. I think this is another, another one of those, uh, uh, skirmishes, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom and so forth that the Bible uh, prophesies. It could lead to the Ezekiel war, but right now not. Yeah. I, I read recently that there's as many as 70 skirmishes or wars happening in the world right now. Uh, some far better known than others, like the is- Israel or the Ukraine. Uh, but there's 70 mm-hmm. uh, wars or skirmishes going on right now. Wars, rumors of wars. You know, we're a, human beings are a warring people, especially with our fallen Adamic nature. So, but if we were to wake up in the morning, Gary, and read that uh, Russia has gathered together a few more nations, Islamic nations, 
and has orchestrated a full-on attack on Israel, then you're looking at an entirely different animal, and we would have to look at Ezekiel 38 and say, wow, maybe this is happening now. But right now it's not. So I hope that helps. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I kind of see that it's not that war, but I was wondering about, you know, if Israel gets attacked from the north, if they wouldn't drop a bomb on Damascus to finish it off. It could happen. Uh, again, we have limited knowledge from Scripture. You know, as Paul said, we see through a glass darkly. We we see what God has chosen to reveal to us. Uh, the whole Bible is a revelation. And uh, so we, we know what we know, and we do know uh, some very, very specific particulars about this war that is yet to happen. We just don't know exactly when it'll go down. But we do know for sure it will go down. So thanks for calling in, Gary. God bless you there in um, Oregon. And uh, stay on the line. We'll get you a couple of books or DVDs for calling. And uh, be blessed. And let's go now to Steve in Soda Springs, Idaho. Hello, Steve. How can we help? Good afternoon. Uh, as I read my Bible, uh, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, so my question is, are we in spirit form at that particular, and will we know our loved ones who have gone before us? Okay. the And I taught on this Sunday, so it's fresh on my mind. We're <laughs> Human beings are a triune creatures. We We have a body. And our body houses a soul and a spirit. Uh, that's biblical doctrine. Paul says, I pray your whole body, soul, and spirit are sanctified by the Lord. So we are three-part. Now, the Bible says when the body dies, to be absent from the body is to be immediately present with the Lord. We find Paul talking about, wow, you know, I, I know I need to stay with the church, and I know I need to be here for you guys to help your growth in Christ, but Boy, am I torn, because I would so much rather go be with the Lord. Now, he knew that his body would not at that time go be with the Lord, because that awaits the rapture of the church. But he knew that when he died, that his soul would go to be with the Lord. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, the thief died, Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Well, their bodies were still on the cross, uh, but their souls were in heaven. And our time is up. Well, I hate that I couldn't get to the rest of you. Thank you so much for calling. Barbara, call back tomorrow. Brenda, thanks for calling in. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us today, Daryl. And thank all of you you for listening to To Every Man and Answer. Tune in tomorrow, same time. In the meanwhile, God bless. Have a blessed evening. We'll see you next time. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. 
to Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 